Thank you for listening to the For the Campus podcast, where we have conversations about Christian faithfulness and the college campus. To learn more about City Church Tallahassee and our college ministry, Salt Company, head to citychurchtallahassee.com and follow us on Instagram at citychurchsalt. All right. Hey, Lance. Thanks for hanging out with us on the For the Campus podcast. Today, we get to talk about a very relevant conversation that students think about, talk about, or at least should be thinking about and talking about a lot, which is the conversation around alcohol and how what the scriptures say and teach us about alcohol should help us make uh, good, wise decisions on how we interact with it on campus and hopefully for the rest of our lives. So what I thought would be helpful today is if we kind of take the principle of let's start with what the scriptures say and, and say clearly, let's work with the black and whites and kind of navigate it more into the gray areas where maybe Christians might differ or maybe they don't even differ, but maybe it just looks different in their life based off of whatever circumstances they're in. And the hope behind this is that our students listening would be able to understand, okay, here are the things that the Bible is clear about in the scriptures when it comes to alcohol. And based off that, they can begin to form their own ideas and their own views on how it's going to look in their life as they try to pursue faithfulness on the college campus and even in the years to come. Um, so thanks for sitting down and talking about what is not for most people a fun thing to talk about. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And Lance is the discipleship pastor here at City Church. But before Lance was the discipleship pastor, he had a long tenure in college ministry. Can you just share briefly what that was like for you and kind of the experience you had there? Yeah, so I served 14 years doing campus ministry with Baptist Collegiate Ministry. Uh, through the Florida Baptist Convention, did three years at UNF, Jacksonville University, eight years at FSU, and then uh, about three years at the Baptist College of Florida. It was kind of a joint position, that mm-hmm. and teaching a class. And so just working with a student organization on campus, but trying to get students connected to the local church, but uh, connecting them with several different Baptist churches. And before we dive into it, uh, just all cards on the table, you're somebody who does not drink alcohol, and it's a personal decision that you've made. Uh, we believe the same things about what the scripture says about alcohol, but you're somebody who doesn't have it in the home, and you, and you don't partake in alcohol. And I'm somebody who, I do have alcohol at the house, and I do drink alcohol uh, in moderation. But I think that that's the reason we really want to have you on, was because two reasons. One, because we, we hold the same stance but it, it looks different in our life. And then number two, because you've had, you have more experience than me with college students and just helping them think through, what does this look like in your college years? And maybe how can you help some friends who are struggling with it? So um, there's three things, the Bible, if you, if you were to, to search through, go to the back of your Bible, look up alcohol or Google search alcohol, you'd see a lot of verses around alcohol, but there's three verses we kind of wanted to kick it off with that we have the same view of and understanding of. And then we can work into how it's, how it's looked in our life. The first is the view that uh, the Bible is really clear that drunkenness is a sin. Yeah. And um, in Ephesians 5, 13, which I'll read briefly for us right now, um, this is maybe the key verse of that, if, if we want to use that term. Uh, sorry, I said, I said uh, 5, 8, 5, 13. It's actually 5, 18. It says this. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And it goes on. But this is not just that the Bible says that we shouldn't be drunk because drunkenness leads to more sin and makes you look foolish and all of that, but also because when you're drunk, you're influenced. Rather than being a Christian who's influenced by the Holy Spirit and your Christian convictions and your beliefs, you're actually being influenced by an exogenous 
thing, alcohol, uh, as as uh, Brad Paisley fam- famously <laughs> sang in the country song. But on a serious note, it's a problem because we're no longer allowing the Holy Spirit and our Christian convictions to lead us, but rather we're we're being led actually by a substance. Um, that's the first one. When you, when, from your standpoint, like, what's so important for us to really grasp with that Ephesians five eighteen verse? Yeah, I always think of this passage as being filled with the Spirit, not filled with the spirits <laughs> of a different kind. Um, <clears throat> I think the main point of that is Paul is talking to uh, the believers, you know, in Ephesus, and just telling them, you know, hey, when you live your life, it should look differently, mm. and you should be led by the flesh. You should be led by the Spirit, and so. A lot of people try to cut bad things out of their life. And again, you know, we'll get into this later about, you know, I don't think alcohol in itself is bad, um, but it can be abused. And Mm. so I think the main point is if a lot of people try to get rid of the bad, but they don't replace it with something good. And kind of like the woman that was possessed uh, by a demon that, um, you know, Jesus talks about, you know, sometimes... When, when that happens, when a demon leaves, it brings back seven worse than, than it was. And so in the same way, I think a lot of times people try to just avoid certain things and they don't fill that void with something else. And mm-hmm. so you're either being driven by the spirit or you're being driven by the flesh. And so the emphasis is obviously on being driven by the spirit, the person spirit, not the drinks spirit. Yeah, and I think a lot of people use alcohol as uh, for that purpose to be drunk or um, man, I've had a really bad day and I don't want to think about my breakup. So I'm actually just going to drink a bunch of alcohol and allow it to, to lead me Um, or, you know, fill in the blank, but they're actually the, the reason that they're even partaking in alcohol is to abuse it. And they might not use the word abuse, but the scripture would say that they're inappropriately using it, which we could, we would say abuse, you know? Absolutely. I think it's where a lot of people have, you know, they're, they're following something where they don't feel comfortable themselves and they want to relax, have something that's going to help them open up. And, and really they're being led by the spirits as we talked about. Um, whereas the Holy spirit, that is his job mm-hmm. uh, to lead us and, and gives us the words to say at, at certain times. And, and even on the comfort side of things, which, you know, I know a lot of people who use alcohol to try to find comfort is rather than looking to the scriptures as a source of comfort or rather than, um, you know, spending time in prayer and, and heading to God, they're actually heading to a substance, which is honestly why so often the Bible talks about food and alcohol together. Now, if you eat a bunch of food, unless you eat bad food, it's probably not going to, you know, go psychedelic on you. <laughs> but, you know, hey, you're looking for comfort in a cheeseburger. You're not looking for comfort in the Lord. And you shouldn't be trying to use food to find peace when you should be looking to the Lord. And it's the same with alcohol. And I think for a lot of students in particular, most people are not drinking alcohol because they um, actually enjoy the taste of it or um, like the minor effects that come with having a glass of wine or whatever. No, they actually are trying to, the intent is from the very beginning to abuse. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that we, you, we may get into this a little bit more, but when I talk about the subject of alcohol with students, I just ask them, you, know, you need to think about what is your motivation? Mm. And that's a key question to ask in determining, uh, of course, within certain parameters, whether that's the right thing to do or not. Mm-hmm. So. so that's the first one. We're on the same page. Drunkenness is a sin. Yeah. We, we, we shouldn't be led by substances. We should be led by the Holy Spirit and Christian conviction. 
and we shouldn't be looking for comfort and food or drink or anything like that. TV, Netflix is a big one, you know? Um, Oh man, I'm just so sad. I'm just going to binge away. I'm going to binge watch away. It's funny. We even use the word binge watch, you know? Um, but you know, we're looking for comfort in something that's not Christ or we're being led by something that's not the Holy spirit. Um, the next thing is this idea, and this is a little bit more complicated to navigate, but in first Corinthians nine and in Romans 14, we see two important verses that are kind of, how do we interact with each other when we, when we hold different views or it looks different and how we live out those views in our life. And this is where we get the Christian phrase stumbling block. And if you're listening to this, even if you didn't grow up in the church, you probably heard the phrase, I don't want to be a stumbling block. Um, and the idea behind that is, well, maybe I don't abuse alcohol. Maybe I don't struggle with overindulging and drunkenness, but my roommate, my friend, my spouse, fill in the blank, they're struggling with it. And because they're struggling with it, I don't want my participation in drinking or whatever said thing to cause them to stumble and fall into sin out of Christian love. And I think when you look at those verses, the call is a call to unity, to care for one another and to be conscientious of one another and our call to be holy and to pursue the Lord. And in, in the text too, especially in Romans 14 is a call not to judge each other. And that's a two way street, um, you know, judge each other, whether they're, uh, you know, back, back in, in the time that Paul's writing, you know, it's like people were, were struggling because some Christians were eating meat that were sacrificed to idols. And that was, they were okay with that. They're like, look, I'm just eating, some food here. And then some people like, no, you're, you're actually encouraging idolatry and idol worship. And Paul's speaking to that. And he's saying, you know, Hey, like, you know, we need to care about how our actions affect each other, but we need to fight for unity and and care for one another. How do you navigate those, those two verses in particular, first Corinthians nine and also Romans 14? Yeah, that's actually the Romans 14, uh, verse 21 is, is really the, the verse that drives my motivation and how I approach the subject of alcohol. And, um, I'm just going to read it. Uh, it says it is a good thing not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. And the way I approach alcohol is I don't want to do anything that could possibly cause someone else to stumble. So I'm very careful about the environments that I'm in and, and is alcohol involved? Am I going to partake of it? And mm-hmm. so I don't, again, I don't think that alcohol in itself or eating meat, of course, I mean, I just got finished with a Bojangles, uh, fried chicken sandwich. <laughs> um, so everything's, uh, you know, okay by itself. Of course, it's probably not the healthiest thing, but, um, you know, in the same way that if I had someone who had extreme cholesterol issues, had to watch what they eat, I probably would not suggest going through the drive through at Bojangles. Yeah. Uh, in the same way, I'm going to be very careful about how I approach the subject of alcohol because I don't want to do anything that's going to call someone to stumble. And so that's why I choose to not make it a part of my life is really coming back to this more than anything else. I don't think alcohol is bad in and of itself. Yeah. And, and that's a Christian principle, too, of, you know, this, you know, our culture today is very much do what you want to do, do what makes you happy, you, 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 you. But as we read through the scriptures and we look at how the early church handled this, we're starting to see, well, no, I mean, it's, it's one level that no, of course you shouldn't drink alcohol if you struggle with drunkenness and you, you overindulge. And we know, we actually know a lot more about that now in our culture today, um, than even they did 2000 years ago. 
but also like you, you should actually have a concern and care for your roommate, for your spouse, for your children, for your neighbor, for your best friend. And, you know, Christians handle this a little bit differently because the, when you think about a, a circle of influence, like how wide is that? Cause some people say, well, it's just a problem in our culture being like the Western world. So I'm not going to partake in it. And then some people are like, well, you know, no, I do drink alcohol, but I wouldn't drink alcohol with certain people or in certain settings or, you know, everybody has all of these different boundaries around it. And I think that's where it becomes a place for Christians where it's okay. You and I might draw those lines a little bit different, but we're actually thinking the same way Yeah, because you don't want somebody to stumble. I don't want somebody to stumble. Right. And so you, for a lot of people, they say, you know what, for me, I'm just going to say, I'm not going to drink. Yeah. I'm not going to have to navigate all that. And then other people, they might say, well, I'm not going to drink around this person. I'm not going to drink in my college years, my roommates or fill in the blank. But I think that's helpful for students to understand that that needs to be an active ongoing conversation, especially if you choose uh, once you're of age, which is the next thing we're going to talk about. But it, there needs to be an active conversation, a concern that you have where you're constantly being conscientious about other people and how it would impact them. Yeah, and I think, as I was saying, I think this is a key verse to think about, just the general principle of, you know, when you do certain activities, whether it be alcohol or, or something else, it might be a gray area that, mm-hmm. that we would discuss uh, that's not clearly right or wrong in, in Scripture. Uh, I think you have to think about, okay, I can't just think about myself and is this bad in and of itself, but how is this going to impact somebody else? And Paul over and over again talks about how, Hey, look, I've got all this freedom in Christ. I can do this. I can do that. But you know, it's not worth it. I'm, I'm willing to give up some freedom in order to not steer somebody else in the wrong direction. Yeah. And I think that in to, to the Romans 14 um, piece, if you look in at verse three, it says, let no one uh, who eats, despise the one who abstains and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats for God has welcomed him. And this yeah. is obviously around the, the, the meat sacrifice to idols, but that idea of being judgmental is a two way street. So, you know, if you're somebody who lands where I landed and you say, no, I'm, I'm comfortable and I'm okay. I, I have clear conscience on having a glass of wine with friends at, at my house. I'm not going to look at Lance and say, what a prude. Is that the right word? Is that a cuss word? Is it? No. Okay. Amanda says I can say that word. I don't know. But anyway, but you know, I'm not going to be judgmental and say, you know, well, this guy thinks he's blah, blah, blah. He thinks he's better than us. I'm not going to be judgmental to you because I see somebody who sees the scriptures the same on this issue. And I see somebody who is saying, I'm trying to do what I can to help people know the Lord and love him and walk in obedience. And then it's a two way street. It's vice versa, which is, you know, you're on a staff where the majority of the staff do drink alcohol and nobody's ever felt like judged by you, which I think is important. And I think that's, that's key to understanding that verse is this is all about how we see and care and love and work with one another. I think that for the, for, for anybody listening to this, that needs to be at the forefront of the mind. Now, the third thing, so no drunkenness, right? Conscientious checking about the stumbling block. The third thing, Romans 13, abstaining by the laws of the land. This is the one that I missed when I was young. So like my context was, you know, I grew up and I I played sports, but I grew up hunting and fishing. And I was just in a lot of settings where it was honestly easy for teenagers to drink. And that's something we can talk about a little bit more, um, with some of the decisions you've made around your family. But, um, you know, so I started drinking alcohol 15, 16 years old and I was a baby Christian. I just come to know the Lord and I didn't know hardly 
I didn't know. I couldn't find Romans in my New Testament, <laughs> you know. But I was like, what does God care how old I am, you know? And it's like, that you hear that. Like, God doesn't care if I'm 21 or 20. What's it? But then you deal with this in Romans 13 where Paul's like, we need to abstain. You know, we need to follow the rules of the, the land unless they go against what God's called us to. And now all of a sudden, now we're opening up this new thing about underage drinking that underage drinking is is a form of rebellion against God because we're not living out what Paul calls us to in Romans 13 in the scripture, which is to obey the laws of the land unless the law is something like what we see in the Old Testament. Don't pray to God or something like that. How do you work through that and how have you helped others work through that in their college years? Yeah, that's that's a great point because I, I think a lot of a lot of people in college, you know, will talk through maybe points one and two mm-hmm. and, and they'll go, okay, sounds good. Um, but there are so many that are, are partaking of alcohol and they ignore the fact that they're, they're under 21 in the state of Florida. And, um, so it's like, well, if you're going to abide by Romans 13, then if you're 20 years old or 19 or 18, why are we even having this conversation? Because it seems pretty clear, mm-hmm. uh, when we're talking about, you know, if you're living in the state of Florida and the rule is 21 or older, then we're really only talking about if you are 21 or older, then you weigh in some of these other things because outside of that, the law kind of decides for you whether you're, you're ready to drink alcohol or not. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things that I, when I talk to students, I, I try to tell them, you know, let's start there. You know, if, if you're not 21, we don't have a whole lot else to talk about. Yeah. So. And for me, uh, you know, with my story, I didn't drink at all from 18 to 21. And then in and out after 21, because of certain covenants that I signed with seminaries, I didn't drink um, at certain times because I said I wouldn't. So I'm not going to go against my word either. So if I tell a seminary or if I tell um, somebody who's, you know, if I tell somebody I'm not going to do it and I do it now, I'm lying. And that's a problem, obviously. Um, And one of the things that, you know, with the laws of the land, I think it's even tied to the second thing that we had talked about with the stumbling block thing is, you know, we could sit around and say, well, I think it's dumb that you can serve your country, but you can't have a beer. You hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. And you could say, well, that's okay for you to think that's maybe, maybe the drinking age should be 18 in Florida. What? But the Bible's clear. And the and Paul doesn't say, uh, you know, obey the laws of land unless you think they're dumb. And mm-hmm. have a little humility to say, hey, you know why they're 21? Because we know a lot, we know a lot physiologically about alcohol brain development. We also know a lot statistically about alcohol related, um, crashes and incidents. And even within our cultural context here at Florida state university, we have a high amount of alcohol related incidents with students compared to other ACC and SEC schools. Definitely. And so now all of a sudden there's a lot of wisdom that is being placed into the laws and regulations we have. And you might not agree with them, but what Paul would say is follow them because you're, you're going to hurt your testimony and you're ultimately going to hurt what you stand for in Christ by running around, breaking the laws of the land. And I think for a Christian, if you can't wait a couple years in order to, to do what the scriptures call you to in Romans 13 and to try to protect the message that you're holding up with the gospel, then you probably don't have the, the mental discipline and stamina to probably even probably shouldn't drink in the first place. (laughs) That's a good point. So those are kind of the three kind of big building blocks. I'd love just to hear just a little bit more for you. And then I'll share on my end kind of how is this, you're somebody you're over 21 a little bit, just a tad. And, uh, 
how has this looked in your life and over the years? And because my hope is that students can, you know, I think everybody should really wrestle with where they land on this. I'd love just to hear how you've wrestled yeah. in your life with it. Yeah. So I grew up in a home that was very, what the term often used teetotaler. I have no clue why it's called that. Um, that's basically, you don't drink alcohol at all. Hmm. Um, and, in a, yeah. and did your home say that alcohol, drinking alcohol would be a sin? Yes. Up? My okay. parents would definitely okay. say that. Um, and so I did not touch alcohol throughout high school and, and that, and I went off to college and I didn't touch it my freshman year at all. Mm -hmm. And, um, then, uh, when I entered the Disney college program, uh, during college, uh, I remember, uh, for the first while, the friends that I made, I mean, everybody drank, I mean, Mm -hmm. everybody that I was around all summer did that. And. I was designated driver for like six weeks. And I think it was a combination of being the only one not drinking and curiosity, um, you know, that I had not been a part of this, you know, my whole life that finally just said, you know what, heck with it. I'm just going (laughs) to, I'm just going to join in. And, um, because of that, I think there were a lot of things where, uh, probably some conversations that we had that, uh, they knew what I believed as far as my Christian faith and everything. And I never judged them for what they did or anything, but I just didn't partake of it. But then Mm -hmm. suddenly gradually, I guess caving on that probably wasn't the best thing because it made it look like, well, I'm just going to be chameleon. Um, and so over the time period of being in college, I kind of went back and forth. If I was around friends that were, you know, more on the, we don't drink side of things in a campus ministry. I didn't drink when I was around friends that did. Uh, and you know, then I, I jumped right in. And so I really had to wrestle with that graduating from college going, well, what do I really believe about this? And so, uh, after kind of just thinking, man, is there anything wrong with this? And looking back, I'm like, this was not a matter of, do I drink in moderation or not? I didn't do that. So, I mean, it was still black and white, but I had fooled myself into thinking, well, hey, you know, the Bible's not clear about, it's very clear on Mm. on drunkenness. Mm. Um, But then I I just decided at some point in my, you know, just immediate post-college that, you know, this is not that important to me, um, one way or the other. And just not being in that setting anymore, there wasn't the same pressure. Uh, There wasn't that around me as much. And so I ended up just kind of thinking, you know, this is not an important thing in my life. And so I'm just not going to, it's not going to be a thing. Mm -hmm. And so once I was married, uh, my wife came from a family who uh, did not drink alcohol. Um, Her grandparents, uh, she had a grandfather who came from a line of alcoholics. And so uh, Tiffany's father basically just said the buck stops at me talking mm-hmm. about it himself and said, I'm not going to participate in this because I know what this could lead to. Mm-hmm. And so with us, neither one of us really coming from a home that had alcohol as a part of it, it was very easy from the get go for that to not be a part of our home. And so I wouldn't call Tiffany and I complete teetotalers. Uh, in in the sense of never ever having a drink, but it is super rare. When I say super rare, it's like uh, I think we had a, a drink in a 
uh, cruise we went on. It was like a fruity drink. And it was just a like, cocoa hey, loco. You know, yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was great. Um, but it was just one. And, mm-hmm. and that was it. It was like, okay, because we just love the taste of it. It was great. Mm-hmm. But um, that's not a part of our, our life. And um, we don't have alcohol in the house, as, as you mentioned earlier. And uh, I have two girls that, uh, you know, I want them to think wisely about alcohol. And I don't want them to, uh, again, this is a personal decision. I, I don't want them seeing uh, beer or wine or, or things like that in the fridge and that them being used to that being in the home for us. Again, mm-hmm. a personal decision that we've made. Um, if we have alcohol in the house, it's a bottle of rum because we both like rum cake and Tiffany makes a pretty darn good rum cake. So that that's what it's there for. <laughs> that's what they all say. <laughs> you know, um, you, you talked about the personal decision thing. We, we talk about something a lot here at City Church, a theological triage, which is there's first tier issues, there's second tier issues, and there's third tier issues. First tier issues would be, these are issues that are a matter of salvation. Like Jesus is God in the flesh who came to die on the cross to redeem his people. Is a first tier issue. We do take that really seriously. Absolutely. A second tier issue would be something that, hey, no, we both believe that Jesus is Savior, but we're just not in fellowship together because of the 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 beliefs that we hold uh, prohibit or or hinder our ability to to organize and gather and participate together in, in a church body. And then a third tier issue is, hey, we we actually have different views, and but yet we're still in the same church together. And that's, that's issues like eschatology to, you know, which is the study of end times. What is revelation all about? What is Isaiah all about? And, you know, and on our staff, we have different views on a lot of different things, including, um, I don't even know if I'd say different view on alcohol, because I think we have the same view on alcohol, but it just looks differently in how it's played out in our life. I think it's important for college students to understand that, you know, Hey, we all need to wrestle with it, but we'll respect one another. We'll listen, try to learn from each other. Um, and I, I think that's important. Um, and then, you know, with, with what you said too, I think, you know, we, uh, I used to take middle school and high school students to new Orleans and we take college students to new Orleans now. And the, the trip is different and the college students, we go to the French quarter and I I'm like bourbon streets over there if you want to walk down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I didn't used to let middle school and high schoolers do that. And the reason, cause one, I felt like, well, that would be a, that's not my place to make that decision if they can, can know about some of the craziness that happens there. Yeah. And the other thing that I felt was, I remember saying this to a group of high schoolers, things that should make you cry, make you laugh, you know, mm-hmm. and you'll walk, you'll walk down this road and you'll laugh when you really should be broken about it. Yeah. And, um, I think when we talk about alcohol, an important thing is to understand the weight and the hurt that people experience. I mean, because you might have friends who grew up in a home, where their parents abused them when they got drunk right? or uh, somebody in their family took their life and abused alcohol. And they think that that was related to that decision. And to, to feel the weight of alcohol is really, really important. It doesn't mean you Agreed. can't enjoy a glass of wine, but you understand that, you know, there's a real danger here. There's real hurt in the world. There's real brokenness in the world. And I would say if you can't feel that weight, then you really shouldn't participate because, um, when we talk about that second issue of stumbling block, just understanding how, how it can play out in people's life and your friend that you're drinking with could destroy their marriage and hurt their family, lose their life, lose somebody else's, you know, take, take the life of somebody else behind a wheel, what, et cetera. I think it's, that's really important for, for students to think through and work through, you know, for me, 
Um, I'm somebody who I do enjoy a glass of wine or different drinks. I like trying different beers. I'm not like hardcore craft beer IPA. You know, my beard isn't long enough to be that guy. Um, but you know, I enjoy it. And you know, there's these verses where it's like, and me and you were talking about it a couple of days ago where it's like, you know, what do you do with the Bible saying wine makes the heart glad? You're like, and then people get really, you know, scientific. Well, if you have a glass of red, you know, and it's like, it's like, well, also if you eat four almonds, it's about the same physiological effect. So, um, but no, I mean, I think that there's a way that, that Christians can, uh, in good conscience without breaking laws, without participating in drunkenness, enjoy alcohol, uh, whether it's red wine and, you know, you got people who can pick out all the flavors and tones or, you know, or it's just, you know, fill in the blank. And I think for me and my family, it's interesting because, um, the, I understand the decision I made was a decision based off a lot of factors that, that are unique to me. You know, my wife, for instance, doesn't like alcohol cause she doesn't like it. I think in eight years I've seen her maybe try like a dozen different drinks, you know, throughout eight years. So I don't have a wife who's tempted to drink a whole bottle of wine at the end of the day. I might have a different decision then, right? Yeah. So I think for me, you know, it's it's always been I've enjoyed alcohol and um, having a beer with my dad or having a glass of wine with friends or, you know, I like to fish and there's, you know, out on the boat and you have a nice cold beer at the in the afternoon, those types of things. But I've always done it understanding the weight and thinking and being conscientious around people. I think that's what we're encouraging students to do is say, hey, you know what? you guys are going to land in different places. Here's what we care about. Number one, do you know what the Bible says? Study it. Yeah. Look at these verses yourself. Spend some time actually making a habit. It's really important in life that we go to the Bible first. Number two, understand the weight. It's not just like funny because a lot of, we, we laugh a lot about alcohol and drunkenness, but the reality is it's caused a lot of hurt Absolutely. and pain. And the third thing is I would say talk about it with people. It's like an ongoing, I mean, me and you've talked about this for... <laughs> Since you've been on staff, just yeah. on and off. And, you know, like I remember a couple of weeks ago, even when we first started talking about this, I was, I was, I was like, oh, like, how'd you come to that conclusion? I actually wanted to know because, yeah. you know, I'm willing to, to be persuaded to yeah. say, you know what, maybe, maybe I don't want it at my house, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, um, I think just as we wrap up, I think that's the, the important thing for college students to understand is, um, this is something that should be wrestled with. We should go to the scriptures in any closing thoughts as we kind of wrap this up. Yeah, I think it's just something that you really need to think through because there are so many dangers to it. I mean, you know, we talked about how, you know, I made the parallel with not taking someone who has cholesterol issues through a drive through at Bojangles. But mm -hmm. although there are dangers in that, there there's so many more far reaching dangers of alcohol than a cheeseburger or yeah. a chicken sandwich. Uh, so there, there's just so much more, so many more angles to think through. And like you said, many people have a history of hurt from alcohol. And so it's very important that you think clearly about this and understand what all the implications are if if you partake of it and who's around you that you're going to partake of it with mm -hmm. and how you're going to influence them uh, one way or the other. And so, uh, again, I, I think that in itself, uh, you know, alcohol, as the, the Bible describes, uh, is something that is fine. It's, it can be neutral. Mm -hmm. Um, just like money is neutral. It can be, mm -hmm. uh, but it can be abused. And so 
I think we've got to really think clearly about the way we approach this subject. Yeah. And I I think it can be enjoyed and I think it it can be, I I think it can even be used in a positive way by certain people. Like, you know, when Jesus turns water into wine and then people try to say, well, it wasn't really wine. It's like, well, then why in Acts were they saying these guys are drunk because they drank too much wine? Like wine was still wine. It was cut with water, but it was the Welch's. Yeah. It wasn't Welch's, you know? (laughs) And, uh, and well, you got to say, okay, well, let's have some humility here because we see Jesus turning water to wine. He could have just turned it into clean water and everyone could have drank water. And that, that verse is a narrative. It's not to say everyone should drink wine. I mean, Lance isn't, you know, Jesus made wine and Lance is not drinking wine. I got to, you know, <laughs> proselytize him to, right. to the, to, to this side. Um, I think just having that humility in, in holding, holding the, you know, really holding this conversation as something that's serious and, that's what we want to encourage college students to do. And of course, to, to, to look to the scriptures and really wrestle with it themselves and not be a follower. Because if you're the type of college student who's drinking because other people are drinking, it's not just that you're drinking. It's that you're, you're actually just going in the wind with people and you're going to be at work and they're going to start cheating on their taxes. And guess what? You're just going to follow. They're going to start cheating on their spouses because people don't get married usually and think I'm going to be the type of guy who cheats on my spouse, but they do. And it becomes culturally normative in certain places and workplaces. And you just become a follower and you don't learn how to walk in conviction. And I think that's the most important thing is to make sure as a Christian that you, you can make your own decisions and it may be the, the, the right decision for you is, you know what, I'm not going to drink. And I know some people are going to think that's weird, but I don't care because I'm going to do what I think is right. Yeah. And that's what we want college students to have that strong conviction on no matter how it plays out. But thanks for hanging out and talking with us and giving us just a little bit of your perspective on it. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. We'll have you on again. Thanks, Lance. All right.